Hello. Okay, see. Gary? Oh, Denise. Denise? Yes. Okay, so how does we start over? Since we're all here. So thank you, Denise, for coming on. Oh no, no, no problem. I was trying to figure it out. <laughs> okay, so I'll just start over. Because uh, I was just doing the introduction. Um, hello everyone. Welcome to my third episode. Um Let's talk mental health and accepting the new normal. What is normal? Some say that normality can be a synonym for constant, however, the word normal is ever changing. As we look at our past state and our present. And to guide for the future, we know that normal is, rel- is a relative term similar to liquid, always in a state of flux, depending on our surrounding. As the pandemic stretches across the globe and annihilate our community, our so-called normal is not so normal anymore. Normality, as we know it, has it been enough, and now we must accept a new normal moving forward. A lot of the times we move way too fast, which doesn't back and appreciate the moment and time. However, this particular moment in time forces us on this episode, Let's Talk Accepting the New Normal, we will discuss mental health, ways to avoid depression, how to actually practice gratitude in the midst of a never-ending storm, and more. Um, I have three guests with me today. Um, can you introduce yourselves? Yes. Um, hello, I'm Candace Pittner. I'm a licensed professional counselor in Texas. Um, graduated with a Master's of Education in Counseling Psychology from University of Houston. Go Cougs! And I have my Bachelor's of Science in Psychology from the school up north. Um, currently, I work in a maximum security prison psychiatric hospital. So I'm a mental health therapist in a psychiatric hospital for the Texas Department of Criminal Justice. And on the side, I have a private practice. It's called Healing Through Storgate. And um, I provide low-cost affordable services for individuals, families, couples, Um, and I also provide free group therapy for the community of Houston. So that is me, and I thank you so much for even considering having me on here. I'm very excited to share any of my knowledge and any passion that I can share. So thank you. Hi, I can introduce myself. My name is Denise Ramos. I'm a licensed clinical social worker in Texas also. Um, I'm with UT Physicians Legacy Community Health, and I also have a private practice, Inner Serenity Counseling. And my main focus is on mental health. So um, all of the patients that I work with do have a mental health diagnosis. Do you hear me? Do you hear me? Okay. Yes. My goodness. I don't know what was going on. Thank goodness. So I'm Gary. Um, I'm currently a clinical intern. Um, I'm currently getting my master's. However, I plan to finish by the beginning of next year. Um, when I do graduate, I do aspire to become a licensed marriage and family therapist. And as, of course, during my clinical internship, I have been seeing clients. So, although I'm at the same level as our other guests, I still do have a little bit of experience. All right. Thank you for the introduction. So, we're just going to begin with the first statement. 
What is mental health? Why is it important? And how do we as a society not give it the attention it deserves? And how has mental health changed over time? Are you just jumping in? Yeah, go ahead, Denise. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't know. Okay. Um, well, I know when we speak about mental health, we look at our cognitive processing and a lot of how we adapt um, to, to certain environments with our thought patterns. Um, so when we're looking at mental health, we're really looking at uh, kind of an emotional stability um what are we looking for is again how we process a lot of what's around us um and i'm uh, sorry what was your second question like how has it changed oh um so what is mental health why is it important how do we as a society not give it the attention it deserves and how has mental health changed over time okay um a lot of the times what we we're seeing is that we forget that as a whole, not only do we have to be physically aware of our health, but also our mental health. And I think how it's changed is that we're, we're giving it more attention. There's a lot of stigma associated with mental health. I think that's why it hasn't taken priority um, in the past. But now that we're seeing how it affects our well-being overall, we are giving it a lot more attention presently. Yes, that's very true. And to piggyback off of that, um, you know, I think one thing that we all could keep in mind is that not everybody has a mental health illness, but everybody does have mental health. They have a mental health status. Um, There's, you know, a more stable mental health and a less stable mental health. And just like uh, Denise was saying about the stigma that's associated around it, um, one of the ways to kind of break that stigma is to really help everybody to understand that we all have a mental health period if you have a brain you have mental health and having that most um, stable mental health is obviously the optimal option so if we you know teach that to each other we we can um, either avoid some some mental health that's caused by like environmental causes or you know we can seek the help earlier on for either environmental or chemically caused um, you know mental health illnesses um so that you know that's what what mental health is um and we're definitely giving it a lot more attention um especially within the minority community because the minority communities are the the communities that tend to say you know keep it in the house or you don't need a therapist you need jesus or you know even in in the black community especially we say oh you know black people don't get that we don't get depression oh he's just a little weird he's just a little off she's just a little she fast she this things like that and we tend to to write it off on what seems more societally normal or societally acceptable but in reality it can be you know an indication of our mental health so that's my input (laughs) Gary did you want to speak on it um just a quick question. Uh, could you repeat the question, Leland? Like, overall, what the question is? Yeah. What is mental health? Why is it important? How do we, as a society, not give it the attention it deserves? And how has mental health changed over time? So, I mean, mental health, I personally think it's a very subjective term. What is mental health in our culture may be mental illness in a different culture. Um, <clears throat> I mean, when I was 
in undergrad, I remember my psychology professor saying something along the lines of mental health is simply getting through the day. Now, of course, a person could a person could argue that that is the case. However, I'm a big believer in the simple fact that we don't know what goes on behind closed doors. So a person may appear stable on the surface and they may have a lot of mechanisms they use to make it seem as though they are perfect and that they have no issues. But um, I definitely think that mental health is very hard to define because what, for instance, they say that, you know, men are not supposed to cry. I believe that in our culture, we may attribute men being clingy to their mothers as a possible sign of psychopathology. But I believe that in Asian countries, that's expected and there's something wrong with that. So I definitely think that when we're talking about mental health, we have to also have that cultural awareness lest we diagnose somebody as having a mental illness when they're simply following cultural patterns. In regard to, I guess, ignoring mental health, I think we do this more with men than with women. And I say this because, you know, like I said, as a clinician to be who wants to work with marriage and families, my biggest, I guess, focal point will be looking at how men relate to their wives because from the get-go, men are socialized to repress, to not really be in with their emotions and so many other things. And so I write that men already have a handicap. And then we have other things that people can use, such as drugs, alcohol, and I think even a culture-wide practice of people, I guess, making it seem as though they don't need love, they don't need affection, they need all of these things, and re revering people who are very egoistical, I think it makes it very hard for people to want to get help since they want to always maintain this tough exterior that nothing phases me. I think you see this kind of facade on many of the shows that a lot of people enjoy, you know? All right, I appreciate that. Um, so what are some effects and or consequences that can happen to us if our mental health is not our priority? What are some affirmations that we can do to acknowledge our mental health? some effects and or consequences that can happen if, it, if yes. it's not a priority well um first and foremost you know me mental health is the primary thing like like just like i really love what um gary was saying about how um you know it's it's how you get through the day it's simply how you get through the day. Like that is what mental health is. You know what I'm saying? Um, with physical health, you know, you don't have to go to a doctor until something is, you know, seems a little off or, you know, you, you do your checkups and things like that. But mental health is something that is happening every single day. Not to say that physical health isn't as well, but mental health is something that, you know, is, um, is happening, occurring every single day. And so if we don't make it a priority, everything it will not be able to flow properly out of that. Um, if I make my mental health a priority, I say things like affirmations, like um, you're speaking of, um, I, you know, I, I either have a therapist or I have, you know, some self-help books or just anything that helps me to maintain a stable and positive mental health. Everything that flows from that will be much, much better. So, uh, you know, I'll have better days. I'll have better relationships. I'll be able to 
um, be more productive at work. I'll be able to be more productive in, in my hobbies and things that I like to do. Um, you know, the, the after school hobbies and self-care activities and things like that. So basically everything flows out of our mental health. So if we don't make that a priority, everything that comes after that, everything that flows out of that is not going to be um, optimal, you know? So, and we want that in, in an optimal range. So that's why <clears throat> that it, it does need to be our priority because like I said, everything does flow from the stability or lack thereof of our mental health. I want to kind of um, piggyback off of what Candace was talking about. She had mentioned how if we don't make mental health a priority, it can impact our relationships. And I think that's something that people really do not understand. As I mentioned before, um, I'm very interested in working with couples and families when I graduate. And there's talks of things such as intergenerational transmission of trauma. So if a person comes from a traumatic home, there is an increased risk of that person repeating the same patterns with their own children. And so that person who never resolved their own trauma they experienced at home, they're only going to repeat that in the future. Same thing in relationships. I'm not sure if everybody here is familiar with attachment theory. That's one thing that I champion a lot, even with my own work. And attachment theory is predicated on the idea that if you are not aware of how certain things that your parents or your siblings did to you, you're gonna repeat that with your couples. This is why we see people who are very clingy or who, you know, play mind games, who manipulative, narcissism. All of these things have to deal with mental health and these people not giving it the attention it needs or I guess resolving the trauma they experienced when they were younger. So for sure, if we do not prioritize our mental health, we will not have stable relationships which is very important for longevity. I think there's studies out there that indicate that if people are single for a long period of time, they have a higher chance of dying. So you're definitely not going to have a healthy relationship with somebody or a relationship period if you are not in the best stable mental health. Oh, I love that, Gary. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I think they nailed it. I mean, um, it is a very, you know, important and vital part of our lifestyle. I mean, it, it does impact like our thoughts, our behaviors, our emotions. So having that uh, that mental health stability, especially now where we're dealing with something so stressful, um, mental health and its stability actually impacts of how we manage the stress that we're enduring or the challenge that we're enduring presently. And I always tell my patients, it's almost like, the way we treat physical health, you know, we don't wait a day or two for, you know, having chest pains mm-hmm. or, you know, we, we, we go to the doctor and our mental health is that important. If you're not stable, if you feel any dysregulation, seek some mental health treatment is almost as it is as vital mm-hmm. as your physical self as a whole. Um, and I think you're, you're right. It's, it's how we process a lot of things, which impacts everything else, our relationships, how are we challenge you know our challenges our interpersonal self and that awareness is going to be very very critical amen and i agree 100 percent with what denise said one of my biggest concerns about this lockdown is people's mental health mm-hmm. one thing i will say i think a lot of people really don't understand that and i've been trying to like make people aware of that you know of mm-hmm. course the last thing we need 
is people dying because of this virus. At the same time, I really feel like people need to understand that, for instance, there are talks of possible increases in suicide. There has been more domestic abuse occurring. There has been more child molestation occurring. All of these things are occurring because of the lockdown. So people are not taking care of their mental health as can be seen. So more than anything, if a person is not or doesn't have those coping mechanisms to deal with this lockdown and their possible family circumstances, these people may come out worse than they were before when this lockdown is over. And I think that is a huge issue that we're going to have to contend with once everything goes back to normality. Amen. Amen. All right. Um, as we see today, information overload and paranoia can coincide together during the pandemic. What advice would you give to our listeners on the dangers of consuming too much media without having a filter? Oh, that's a good question. I'll take that in a, in a minute. I don't want to keep going first every time. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I think a, a lot of the times if we don't filter or, or give ourselves a break, uh, we want to be very much aware of what's going on. But you're right. When it becomes an overload and that and that is, tends to impact the way we're processing things, we're going to get emotionally overwhelmed. Um, so if we don't have those limitations where we say, okay, right now I'm very much aware of what's going on, but allow yourself a break, allow yourself to be in the present moment with whatever it is that you're doing at that time, you know, go out for a walk, be very mindful of the present moment. Um, when we tend to given negativity and just you know because it it is we're seeing the deaths we're seeing you know that's what the news is showing us so we tend to increase and escalate that fear so what does fear do it increases anxiety because that's what anxiety is right um so then that can also induce some depression so now we're going into a spiral of very negative um and maladaptive behaviors so understanding that yes we want to be knowledgeable we want to be aware and up to date of what's going on we have to set limitations we have to be able to give not only our 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 mind a break but also our physical self because sometimes that stress you're going to feel it physically so now you're overall overwhelmed so it's very important to understand when to have those limitations i could not agree up any more with what denise just said the media is great for instilling fear and even fear mongering and I think that not only should people try to limit the amount of media they're taking in but I think we also need to put things in a perspective although it's not my main um, or the, probably it won't be the main approach I use clinically I see the huge benefits to CBT and CBT's basic principle is what you think in great part plays into how you feel. If all you're seeing is negativity and that encourages you to think negatively about the situation, that will do nothing to help you with your mental health. I think people need to expose themselves to different perspectives. For instance, you know, the media is speaking a lot about the deaths we are experiencing as a result of the coronavirus, which is definitely tragic and is definitely sad. But if we are constantly exposing ourselves to sadness and tragedy, how are we going to be happy? We're not going to be happy. So that's why I personally think the media should also 
kind of give glimmers of hope because people are recovering from this, but we're not seeing it. And so I think something that people need to do is to put things into perspective. I think a lot of the reasons why people have anxiety and go through a lot of problems they go through is because of how they perceive in a situation. So I think that people allow themselves to be open to different perspectives that can also help with their mental health. And that's one of the reasons why I'm not a major fan of the media. Very good. They definitely tackled that. <laughs> All right. Um, COVID-19 has changed the definition of normality and a new number was upon us. What once was a familiar hug is a distant hello over the phone, a bright smile that could illuminate the darkness is any, in any space is now concealed with the N95 mask that is meant to help us, but is not viewed as a cautionary sign. With all that is going on, such as unemployment, death, sickness, is it possible to practice gratitude even in the darkest moments? And how does that, and how does this active practice stimulate a sense of control, if any? In, in my, my personal opinion, opinion, I think if you weren't practicing gratitude before, it may, may be hard for you to do so now. I say this because me personally, for the longest time, I've always been the person to appreciate what I have. I've always been the person to sit there and say, I'm pretty sure there is somebody across the world who kills every life that I have. So I think in spite of this current situation, expressing gratitude should be something that we practice even outside of pandemics because I think if you only practice gratitude in these horrible times you're not going to practice it outside and having gratitude I think can have every therapeutic effect on a person's cognition if you're always able to point out the positive in your life just as a general practice as a habit then that will do a great thing for mental health However, However, if you're, if you're only expressing gratitude when times are hard, you're, you're not going to translate that to your life. It's not going to be a habit. So, so although I agree that, that gratitude should be something that people, you know, you know try, try to have during these times, I think that it's a nation they should try to have all the time. time. And, I, and I definitely do think people can have um, things, things to be grateful for. For, for instance, I could say, say that. that I guess, I guess during, during these current, current times, times I'm, I'm grateful, grateful that, that I'm able to work, work because, because you know, they, they could be an essential employee because, because I could be working in a, a fast food place. place. So, so I'm considered an essential worker work, and I still have, have some income coming in. in. So, so of course, course the next, next guy who's unemployed, he may not be as grateful, but I'm very sure that even that man's unemployed, he still be grateful about something that somebody else doesn't have. So this is what I'm saying about Great gratitude, I think, is a mindset. mindset. It's not something that can only be utilized substantially. I think one of the most important things that I'm um, even practicing myself and, and kind of gearing my, my patients to do so is, is acceptance. Not necessarily mm-hmm. gratitude, but acceptance. Accepting that this is the new normalcy that we're living. How do we adapt to that? Because if we try to fight it in any other way, aside from accepting, okay, this is my new norm now, because we don't know what's going to happen. If we tend to to fight it, right, that increases anxiety. That increases this fear of lack of control. 
So if we say, okay, this is where I'm at now, especially with like unemployment, finances, relationship strain, because we can't see our loved ones, um, you know, these insecurities that we're having, if we focus on that alone, that's going to deteriorate our mental health, right? Because it, it doesn't affect our... Uh, do I have control over, right? If it's a loss of job, then I can apply for unemployment, right? I can do the application. I have control over that. Um, I can't control the outcome, but I can control what I'm doing. You know, do I apply for different jobs? Do I? So I'm given a sense of what do I have control over versus what I don't have control over. We don't want to induce that anxiety. We don't want to induce those fears. So a lot of times taking a step back and saying, okay, let's reevaluate my new norm now. And that's where mindfulness comes in and says, okay, how do I stay grounded to the present moment? Because can't change what's happening right we can't change um some outcomes that are out of our control and let's say focus instead of you know we do want to reframe we do want to look at the positive side you know if that's really hard right now but you know for for looking at the silver lining okay we're safe but okay how do we adapt to this new norm that we're having and i think if we get to that point which it can be very difficult we can learn to modify our behavior to do so we're very adaptable as humans, right? That's why we live so long because we tend to adapt to what's going on in our surroundings. If we can adapt very healthy, this is why mental health is so important. If we can adapt in a very healthy way and accept what's going on, be very mindful and stay grounded to it in the present moment, then we take some control back and we don't feel so dysregulated when challenges do occur. I think... Denise hit on a very important point. I, I, I can even share myself. You know, when all of this began, I personally had a hard time accepting it because my group internship was very much so impacted by the situation as well as my finances. There were so many things that were happening that I couldn't control that it was a little upsetting, you know, and challenging me to accept it. But, but once, Once I, I did get to point of acceptance and, and I recognized that, that this is a temporary normal, I found myself to be able to like really appreciate it more. And I, I found myself, to be honest, being happy that I was going to have all this time off of work. Yeah, you know, I, I might be delayed a little bit on some bills or like or whatever the case may be, but I was going to get to a point where it's like, you know what, this isn't really that bad. So I would totally agree that acceptance is a huge positive that, that people, people can strive, strive to do during these trying times. Amen. They hit on it once again. Yes. And and also, you know, be be okay with not being okay. I know a lot of people um, tend to say, okay, how do I, you know, adapt myself to this? We're not saying dismiss your emotions. They're very much valid. This fear is very much valid. So be okay with not being okay. I think the goal is not to stay in that state. Process your emotions, understand that they're there, be okay with what you're feeling, and then re, you know, take a step back and say, okay, how do I reevaluate without having my emotions dictate my behavior? Because again, if you're thinking very negatively, you, you're right, you're gonna have these very maladaptive behaviors. So a lot of the times, just accept what you're feeling. Accept it, don't let it you know, uh, dictate your behaviors. That's when we have to take a step back and say, okay, how do I go about with my new norm today? Okay. Um, let's dig deeper on this sense of control. We know that everyone wants to be in control. Is that human nature? And does that 
and how does that impact our mental health with wanting to always be in control I personally believe that the desire <clears throat> to be in control is innate I say this because we as humans we I, I read a book that talked about how the human mind is likes to predict things you know we like to always be in the know what is anxiety anxiety is when we don't know what's happening the anxiety is when we aren't sure what will happen if we do x y and z so i think a lot of what we do is a way for us to kind of allay our anxieties i think the more in control we feel the less anxiety we will experience i think anxiety at times could be an impetus to want to change circumstances so we don't feel as powerless so i would definitely say that um being in control is innate in my personal opinion i think that trauma is the lack of control in a person's life we go in our lives expecting things to be a certain way for instance me when i drive to work i don't envision in my day you know running into a car or possibly running somebody over these aren't things that are in my predictive mind if you want to put it that way so when these unexpected things happen they can be traumatic because my i guess my mind is like can i predict the world what can i predict i don't feel like i'm in control so i think that you know being in control is very innate and it's very important as human beings because if we do not feel as though we know what to do and we can have a limited degree of stability that can make it very hard for us to function in general. I agree. It's it's very innate, um, this sense of of feeling that we need to be in control. It, I mean, um, the need to control is rooted in our fear and self-doubt. And this is why, um, you know, when when we need that sense of control, um, it's only to regain some sense of temporary relief, right? if I'm able to predict it, that I'm not as anxious, or if I'm able to predict it, then I have this, you know, immediate gratification. So it is very innate, but it, you, we have to understand it's also very rooted in this need, this fear, this fear of the unknown, this fear of, you know, doubts. And once we challenge those things, once we challenge that we don't have control over everything, even we don't stay in that fear-induced state because that impacts our mental health. We're always going to be overwhelmed. So if we can start releasing some of these need to be in control, which it's, it's again, we have to learn mm-hmm. to do that because as humans, it, it's, it's innate within us that we need the sense of knowing. Once we say, okay, I don't have control over this. I don't know the outcome. You know, let me you know, not let fear dictate it, that you're right. Once we start not needing that sense of controlling everything, we cannot stay in that induced fear. So sometimes it is letting go and saying, okay, I don't have control over this. But if, you know, we could plan if this were to happen, then, okay, this is how I'm able to challenge it. Or if this were to, you know, so we can plan some things that we do maybe understand what possible outcomes we can have but other things you know again rooted in fear we have to almost prepare ourselves to say okay we don't have control over everything 
I, I love, love what Denise, Denise just said because not, not only do I think we can tie this to what she said earlier about acceptance, but, but I can relate to what she said 100%. Me personally, I used to be very, you know, know I don't, I don't want to say, say I was a control freak, but, but I was a huge planner. planner. I used to be a huge planner. planner. I, was I was like, like oh, okay, I have to do this, this way, I have to do that way. And, and if it's, it's not this way, way then it's, it's a problem for me. I've, I've come, come to learn, learn that acceptance and not being in control are things that, that we just have, have to accept. And, and I've found that, that the more I let things go, and the more that I roll with punches, the, the more mental stable I find myself, myself to be. There's, There's a saying, they, they say, say that man plans and God laughs. And I, and I agree with it because, because here, here we are, are as human beings trying, trying to plan our lives, lives day, day by day. day. Not, not at any point, point accounting for possible unexpected things occurring. And then when those things do occur, we get a little go as planned. And like this was saying, that can exacerbate a person's, you know, current mental health symptoms. So, so I totally agree that although it's rooted in human nature to want to be in control, I also think that we have to transcend that need to be in control because being in control, wanting to be in control can expose one and predispose one to more anxiety and possibly depression that they fail among many, many other emotions. emotions. I agree with you, Denise, 100%. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, anything to say, Candice? All right. Um, moving on to the next, to the second to last question. What if any positive things have came from the COVID-19 from your experience? I know for me, I find myself doing a lot of perspective taking and self-reflection. How does that positively or negatively impact my mental health? Wait, ask that one more, one more time. Oh. What if any positive things have came have come from the COVID-19 from your experience? For example, I find myself doing a lot of perspective taking and self-reflection since I'm stuck in the house a lot of time. And how can that impact my mental health? Oh, okay. Um, well, a lot of the positivity that I've seen um, definitely was people coming together. Now, of course, you know, there are going to be people pulling apart. We all know that because everybody has their own thoughts and beliefs and their own systems and the ways that they believe um, other people's systems should go. But you know, I choose not to focus on that. What I choose more to focus on is how people have come together and how there are uh, big businesses, but also very small businesses. What I've seen more are the smaller businesses and the people who are not in the best of positions still giving to other people who might not even be in positions as, as uh, you know, quote unquote, good as theirs. And I think that that is one of the biggest positive things, because once you see how people can come together through tragedies and things like that. And then you see that the, you see the people who, um, you know, they have their own, their own fear, their own grief about these things and, and they're pushing through, you know, their own fear, grief, compassion, fatigue, and everything like that. 
to ex- to still extend a hand to you know the multitudes of other people i think that is one of the most beautiful and positive things that we can see we also are seeing how we are able to come together better as a society um and i think you know just looking at social media and, and things even at surface level as that um people have been discussing that quite a lot that you know, okay, the, you know, this pandemic is really showing us that America's able to do uh, X, Y, Z, and you know, we're able to come together in ABC way and one, two, three, so on and so forth. So I think that is one of the most positive things um, because that, I mean, that's, you know, that's on a macro level. Um, and, and with things, with something like that, something so significant like that, being on the macro level, it's definitely going to trickle down to the micro levels to our, our own personal relationships with people or our own personal relationships with, you know, our local communities and things like that. So for me, I think, um, that has been one of my biggest things that I have been focusing on, um, a lot more intentionally now and that I absolutely love seeing, um, yeah, I, I think there's a couple other things, but I think that's like the most that's like the most significant thing for me. I agree. For me, it's, it's definitely strengthening it personally um, my interpersonal relationships. You know, right now we're being almost forced to be inside, <laughs> um, which is very different for me um, because I'm everywhere. But, uh, you know, I'm spending more time with my husband, um, you know, talking to my parents a lot more where, you know, we, we tend to be on, on automatic mode, right? We tend to, you know, be on autopilot. So we tend to do, do, do. And I think this has slowed us down a little bit. Um, I use a lot of mindfulness and staying grounded just because this is some, it, it keeps me in the present moment versus again, like everybody else inducing some of these fears that we may have with whatever intensity, but induce fear. Um, and I think this really put a lot of things in, into perspective of what needs to be prioritized. And I think for me personally, it's strengthening those interpersonal relationships. Um, you know, just talking to people a lot more on the phone where we're used to texting here and there, you know, uh, between sessions for me. Um, and so a lot of the times now we're, you know, I think we watched like two movies together on Netflix, me and my husband, which is so rare because we're both so busy all the time. And so a lot of, for me personally, it strengthened those. And even when they're, you know, some of my patients or family members are bored at home, you know, I always encourage them, you know, do a board game together, talk and see what's going on because then you tend to open up the more you're together. So for me personally, it's definitely strengthening those interpersonal relationships that, that are priority to me. Amen. Whereas um, Denise, Denise and Candace kind of highlighted the positive impact we've seen interpersonally in society, I would be the one to kind of deviate and talk about how I personally have, have seen, seen, I guess, I guess development in myself. And I, and I say this because I think that, that I guess, I guess depending, depending on a person's mental, depending on a person's capacity for coping, coping this, this can be a positive, positive time. time. I've, I've been spending a lot, a lot of more time with, with myself, obviously. Aside, aside from, from working, you know, you what know, am I doing right, right, right back home? home. Whereas, Whereas when, when society, society was normal, normal I, would I would have, have I'm, I'm, I'm out, out 
at, at work, work at my internship, not, not getting home until 10 o'clock at night. night. I have, I have days, days where I'm home, home pretty much, much the entire, entire day. day. I mean, I mean, of, of course, course I'll do my things, my internship here and there. But, but this, this time at home, home has definitely allowed me to strength myself mentally. And I say this because prior to the lockdown, I actually had ended a, a situation if you want to put it that way with somebody, somebody else. else and, and one of the one main reasons one of, one of my main years, years was, was oh my god, god I'm gonna, gonna be at home by myself all this time I'm gonna be thinking about, about a past relationship and how it how failed, failed and I'm, and I'm gonna, gonna miss my partner, partner all, all those things there, there. However, However, I actually found that by spending more time with myself and actually you know across the situation I found, I found myself being able, able to actually come out, come out stronger. stronger. Very very surprised. Surprised. I, was, I was very surprised, surprised at how much progress I've made on than then I, I thought I would have been able to do if I was, I was out working, 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 working. So, so I definitely think that, that for a certain, certain amount of people, this, this time allows, allows people, people to really spend time with themselves and to really face their, their issues. Now, now, of course, unfortunately, some, some people, people may not have the best, best way to make them. They, they may make these sorts of alcohol like that. But I think that these times can really allow people to begin to develop men's psychological they save themselves at times. Because I really think it is great for people to develop ブレスレスレスレスレスレスレスレスレスレスレスレスレスレスレスレスレスレスレスレスレスレスレスレスレスレスレスレスレスレスレスレスレスレスレスレスレスレスレスレスレスレスレスレスレスレスレスレスレス
Candace, you have anything? To yeah. Um. So it, it it kind of touches back on what Denise said and what um, Gary highlighted as well about practicing acceptance. Um, some practical ways that I can suggest to protect our mental health. Um, we kind of touched on this a little bit, but you know, reducing that media intake. One of the things that I said on this uh, this Zoom mental health conference that I, where I spoke last week, um, you know, limiting like you know, people. Some people want to or need to stay up to date on the numbers and things like that. But if you limit that that time, and you know, you give yourself. Um, 15, 20 minutes per day and you can do all the research that you'd like and, you know, find the numbers that you want and whatnot, but then you you intentionally cut that off. You know what I'm saying? Um, which leads me into my next uh, very practical point, just being intentional. Being intentional is probably the most significant thing that I see at all times, but um, <clears throat> specifically in this time, because if you are not intentional with what you do, if you're not intentional with the self-care that you do and everybody has different self-care techniques that work for them and you know that this would be a whole nother podcast for me to hit on some different um practical self te- self-care techniques um but you know if you find some self-care techniques that work for you reading writing um facetime conference uh FaceTime conversations with people, um, journaling, watching some lighthearted movies and TV, um, exercise, so on and so forth. And the list goes on. When you find those self-care activities, make sure that you are intentional, meaning that you are doing that on purpose. Because if we wake up and we're just like, okay, I'm going to let whatever happens to me today happen. Um, there, we are what's biologically innate within us is our brains are more prone to going towards the negative. Um, one quick fact is actually that when one negative thing happens, there are uh, three positive things needed for the brain to kind of um, compensate for whatever negative thing happens. So, yeah, you know, our, no matter if we're a super happy person or we're not a super happy person, like biologically we have been wired for survival and survival doesn't come with a whole lot of joy as much as it comes with mm-hmm. just getting through it um and survival is is the the minimum we are able to be above and well above and beyond just survival but our bodies are are mitigated for that and so um you know when when you are intentional like i'm gonna wake up at this time and i'm going to do this activity that i know is a good self-care activity for me i'm gonna exercise or i'm gonna journal or i'm gonna start out my day with prayer or um i'm gonna call somebody um or you say you know at lunchtime i'm gonna do this or before i go to sleep so i can have a better um sleep that night you know i'm gonna engage in this activity but put some intentional things in your schedule your schedule can definitely be fluid it doesn't have to be locked tight especially during this time right now because things are so uncertain um but you know put some things in your schedule that you do like right now i'm writing in a prayer journal and i would for me i'm able to not say okay by five o'clock p.m i'm gonna have this done um, or else I won't do it. But some people might need to do that. And that's okay. If you evaluate yourself and you're like, okay, yeah, I need to give myself a specific time where I'm not going to be able to be intentional about it, then go ahead and do that. If you are able to make sure that things, you know, to hold yourself accountable to do certain things without putting a, a an airtight um, time frame on it, then do that. But just make sure that you are intentional about the things that help you to, to choose joy in this time. 
Mm-hmm. All right. Um, thank you, Gary, Candace, Denise. Um, she left a few minutes ago. But thank you all for joining me on this podcast about mental health. Um, I thought it would be an important topic just because I know for myself personally, I'm going through a lot of depression. And sometimes just being aware of our mental health is very important so that we can address the issues in the forefront instead of waiting for like some of the consequences to affect us later. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank for you sure, so sure. much for, like I said, you know, considering having me. Thank you so much for even thinking about doing something as significant as this you know the these are like even this podcast can be considered a self-care activity for people just to learn about things because you know there is a, a such thing as information overload but this wasn't necessarily information overload this is something that somebody can use to unwind and, and potentially learn a couple of, of new gems that they can put into their their lives but it's more you know it was more of a infor- informative discussion more than just like an informative lecture and you know that that would provide too much information overload and oh no after I listen to this podcast I feel like I have to change everything that I'm doing right now and so on and so forth it's not like that which is a good thing what it is is just like I said you know an informative discussion we gave a a couple of our own personal testimonies of what we're doing and how it's affected us so I think this was a very necessary um uh, thing for content that that needed to get out there, and I appreciate you for even considering me to, to be part of it. You're welcome. Um, all right, thank you once again, and you guys have a great. Uh, wait, Gary, did you did you want to have any lasting remarks before I close? No, I'm no, fine. I'm fine. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 I was saying the same thing. thing. You know, thanks, thanks, thanks for allowing for me to. Me to participate, participate in, this in this discussion, discussion. Um, um, of course, of course that, that uh, uh, I am a position to be definitely mental health, health is a huge, huge thing, thing that's important, that's important to, me. to me you know I'm dealing you know, with it every, every day, day. Either, either by, by seeing clients or reading books so, so being, being able, able to share, share knowledge that I know I think is is a good experience it's a good experience all right. Thank you once again for coming on my episode. I really appreciate it. And you guys have Thank a great you. night. Thank you. You as well. Like, like, All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.